If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. the polls will join you channel this afternoon on the polls 11 persons kicked out from the upcoming new patriotic party's primaries as the party moves to the next stage of the contest as the satisfied aspirants have only a day to file their appeal to receive petitions from people who may have been disqualified or not recommended to the party well, there's more on your election headquarters as uh, former chairperson of the Electoral Commission, Dr. Kujua Farijan, says failed election petitions should attract some sanction. We cannot achieve any appreciable level of development in this country without fundamental reforms in our local government system. National Commission for Civic Education is calling on the youth to reject advances of any political uh, party uh, that tries to engage them in violent acts and dis disruption, uh, which will mark the 2024 general elections, uh, will engage the chairperson of the commission, Kathleen Adi, here on the polls. Especially implore young people to absolutely reject any politician that wants to engage them for violence and expose any politician who seeks to entice them with alcohol, drugs, and anything else so that they would do their bidding. The and later in this package, Ghana yet to uh, see a clear path in its external debt restructuring talks as the 
Seems to be uh, no concrete agreement uh, from its official creditors whose assurances is necessary in securing uh, the next disbursement of some 600 million US dollars from the International Monetary Fund details as experts call on government to convince official creditors it will not default on its debt servicing again should the restructuring talks go through. We have this and more coming away here. Uh, on the Pulse, the Pulse is always brought to you by Global Communities, Digni, Lua, Affordable, Safe Sanitation. We're on DSTV Channel 421, Go TV Channel 125, and Blessed Sukan. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and MyJoyOnline.com. Thanks for joining us. Join us as independent, fearless, and credible. Welcome to the Pulse. afternoon, uh, Ghana's economic stability and hopes of maintaining some level of stability in, in 2024 uh, is in limbo as external debt restructuring talks with the official creditors uh, progresses uh, at a slow pace. Now, creditors were scheduled to meet yesterday to agree uh, on the magnitude of debt relief with key focus on uh, setting uh, and also settling on a common cut-off date. Till date, there is no communication at all uh, from uh, the official creditors uh, failing, uh, we, I mean, uh, in terms of detailing the outcome of the uh, meeting. Ghana is uh, hoping to obtain some level of debt relief by seeking uh, to rework uh, more than five billion U.S. dollars out of its uh, bilateral debt. Now, this is not the first time Ghana is uh, going into a meeting with its official creditors to ask for uh, debt uh, relief. A lead data analyst and also uh, researcher here at Joy News, uh, Isaac Ophiaj is joining us uh, with more. Isaac, uh, give us a sense of the kind of uh, agreement uh, we're talking about here and what's been happening in the last few days. Well, Blazer, the last time we had an agreement or an arrangement or sort of a negotiation with our external creditors in terms of the official bilateral creditors to talk about debt relief was about two decades ago in May 2002 uh, during the Kufo era when we undertook the HIPIC program where we had to do debt restructuring then. We met the official creditor committee, then was the Paris Club, 
uh, where we agreed that you know uh, they give us some sort of debt relief in 2002 and so we are doing this to give us a sense of how such meetings pan out and what is likely to be the outcome of the meeting that went on yesterday so we saw that in 2002 what happened was that the cutoff date uh, resulted resulted in um, you know resetting Ghana's debt restructuring or debt servicing um, you know dates from January 1st 1983 to now June um, 20th 1999. So June 20th 1999 became the fresh date to look at all other loans. Now the remaining amounts were about uh, were actually rescheduled for an over 23 years uh, with six years of grace period. So what happened is that. When they gave that cutoff, Ghana was given a chance to spread a debt in terms of the repayment structure uh, for over a span of 23 years with a grace period of six years. And what happened was that just because of that decision, Ghana's debt that they owed the official creditors reduced from $270 million then in 2002 to $46 million. So that's how significant an arrangement with uh, official bilateral creditors can help the country reduce its debt and then also help it to, to actually reach the debt sustainability uh, threshold that the IMF actually set for us. But what actually happens is that we are not just dealing with um, you know, bilateral creditors, blessed. We are dealing with two creditors at the external front. We have the external bilateral creditors and we also have the external commercial creditors. The external bilateral creditors, we are actually in negotiation with them for the commercial creditors. We've sent a proposal asking them to actually accept a haircut um, of up to 40% on the principal and then also on the interest. But if you speak to experts, some even believe that they do not even think that government is really, really keen on this debt restructuring exercise because what happens is that when you restructure, then you have to start paying. So they feel that government wants to use some tactics to get the needed financing assurance, not any form of agreement. Then they get the IMF money's relief and re- uh, release. And when they're able to do that, you end up not actually doing the actual restructuring that we are supposed to do. So they believe that government is now going after assurances um, rather than reaching specific that's restructuring. Uh, this is a question as to how this is impacting our current uh, IMF uh, negotiations, looking at the fact that we're looking forward to uh, a $600 million mm. uh, disinvestment. Um, how is that impacting on, on the exercise? Well, so the entire IMF program is supposed to span from last year, 2023, to the end of 2026. And within this period, the disbursements are actually staggered within this period. And so if you miss one of the Point, then it means that you're going to have the next point you know, being pushed ahead. So in 2023, for instance, we were scheduled to, really, uh, to receive about $1.3 billion. Now, because we were not able to get all our, all our creditors to come to the negotiation table, we only enjoyed $600 million out of the $1.2 billion that was scheduled to actually hit our account in 2023. Now, in 2024, we are talking about a schedule of $720 million the entire year. Now, the first tranche is supposed to come by May 1, 2024. It's supposed to hit our account, which is $360 million, and an additional $360 million by November 2024. 
Now, because you have a backlog of 600 million, which is supposed to come after you pass your first review, and because you've not been able to get all your external creditors at the negotiation table, it means that you need to cross the 600 million um, you know, um, hurdle before you can go ahead to talk about second reviews and other disbursements, which is supposed to amount to some $720 million um, you know, dollars in 2024. So if we are able to do the $600 million now and also follow all the due um, processes and get the $720 million, it means we are simply going to get more from the IMF than anticipated in 2024. But if we keep delaying and if talks are not progressing the way it's supposed to progress, then it simply means that we probably will get less uh, than shadow blessed. Uh, and of course, many are still wondering why we're where we are today, uh, especially because uh, we know that the domestic uh, debt restructuring was that easy. Why is it taking us this long to you know, secure the external debt restructuring? Well, just like I said, the external debt, you are dealing with uh, very complex creditors. Mm. You are not dealing with domestic creditors where you can bulldoze your way through just because you have some sovereign power. At the external level, the bonds or monies or liquidities that you take are governed by very sophisticated um, you know, rules or, or legal terms. Mm. And if you go against them, it means that you are going to pay more. And mind you, at the... Um, you know, uh, commercial level where we borrowed more than 11 billion in three years from the uh, from the eurobond space. The blue chip investors, or simply put, the people we bought the initial bonds from, are not the current holders of those bonds. They've actually traded them. They've dumped the bonds, and those who are holding the current bonds are people who are willing to accept risk. And so if you want to play the game with them, they are willing and available to play that game. They are not afraid of risk. They are not afraid of losing because already they bought a bond that was losing its value. And so you do not have your blue chip investors who, um, you know, have already traded their bonds, holding the bonds right now. That makes it very difficult. And I always say that Ghana is not the only country at the external level looking for debt restructuring. So all other countries are looking at what the Eurobond guys will do for Ghana. Zambia is watching, Ethiopia is watching, Sri Lanka is watching. Everybody is watching. If you give Ghana a haircut of 40%, 30% maturity, whatever, people are watching and then they will come and ask either the same or something similar or even higher. And so the external guys are being very circumspect and tight-lipped in terms of the restructuring terms and agreement they will reach with Ghana, they do not want it to compromise or complicate other restructuring talks that they will have with other parties or agents uh, in countries like Zambia and then also uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, and now to the big question, how much time do we have? Well, at the moment, the um, you know, timelines that we set for ourselves in the original program has actually, um, we've missed all the timelines and it simply means that we need to um, now go to the negotiation table and set new timelines, especially to meet the executive board. As for the IMF, they are willing and ready to meet Ghana or the representatives from Ghana once you get the needed financing assurance. So at the moment, the onus lies on Ghana to get the needed assurances from the external creditors. IMF is ready and available. If you get the needed assurances, you can probably email them or talk to them. They will set a meeting for you to meet them. 
they are not seen, uh, seen to be you know involved in this whole external debt restructuring because the IMF believes that this is a sovereign you know work that you must go ahead and do these talks yourself. But the creditors know that there is a certain um, headmaster in the boat who is willing and ready to assist in terms of balance of payment, support, and other things that will help your economy recover. But the creditors know that this is an election year. And if they will give government any fiscal space, they are very mindful what they will do with that money. In 2002, when we got that debt, you know, at the Paris-Claire level being slashed from 27 million to 46 million, we were asked to channel that fiscal space to other vital parts of the economy, like education, like healthcare. We saw the hippie schools that were built and all of those things. And so creditors will insist, especially at the external, the bilateral level, because you are dealing with countries and other groups, they will insist that you, you use the monies um, and you, or you invest the money in critical areas of the economy and probably not spend on elections. Uh, and now, of course, looking forward to what's happening, the government is already indicating that it now wants to rely on uh, Treasury bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing some reports of that. Is there any correlation to, to Well, of course, there's actually a correlation. And if you are not, if you've collapsed your bonds market at both the external and local level, then it simply means that Treasury bills becomes the, the, the last resort. And if you are borrowing so much from Treasury bill, remember this year we are running a budget deficit of more than 60 billion Ghana cities, which is somewhere around $6 billion. And government has indicated that, look, we are going to get almost the entire money from the Treasury bill market. And how is government going to do that? Government is actually attracting commercial banks with very high interest rates. And so 31%, 29%, 30% banks are now lending to government rather than lending to private people. And that will cripple the private sector of the economy. Private sector are being crowded out. And when it happens that way, whatever gains you get from the inflation space, you cannot really feel the impact because... I mean, government is borrowing at 31%. Who wants to lower the rate to the private person? So the private person will still borrow around 32, 33. And that actually, you know, fades away all the gains that you get from the, 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 the inflation space. So inflation is reducing, but because the cost of borrowing is so high, businesses are not feeling it. And the private sector is gradually, gradually being Okay, uh, let's bring in uh, Professor John Gachi with the uh, University of Cape Coast uh, Business School. Thank you so much, Paul, for spending some time uh, with us uh, here. Uh, first of all, your impression. What do you think is accounting for this uh, delay? Uh, Professor John Gachi, I hope you're with us. Uh, we'll try and uh, quickly fix that uh, and uh, get back to Prof, uh, who uh, is joining us to share his thoughts on uh, this latest I- incident that, we're, uh, of course, uh, or development we are, mm-hmm. we're learning of. And, of course, he'll be providing us with the aspects of uh, probably looking at the fine details of, of the possible uh, impact. But uh, we now know that government has always stated its position on this matter, uh, telling us uh, how confident and hopeful they are that the creditors will indeed uh, give their assurances. Should we just work with that, or there's more to this? Well, Blizzard, at this juncture, it's not how confident you are, it's how 
collaborative your creditors can be and how comfortable they are with the entire restructuring process. Some of them have raised concerns about what they call comparability of treatment, which has actually halted Zambia's mm. um, um, you know, debt restructuring. I spoke with Bright Simmons, and you get the sense that some of the, um, the creditors are concerned that there should be some sort of uniformity in terms of who gets what, right. the magnitude of haircuts, how much am I getting, how much is my other counterparts mm. getting. Nobody wants to bear the burden higher than any other person. And other people are also raising the concern that you are asking us, the external creditors, to tighten our belt. Mm. What are you also doing as the local government? Are you cutting down on costs? What are you doing yeah. to make sure that so people are within want your, to your see fiscal space? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all of what it is that government's uh, uh, policy is and how that is uh, impacting or helping the situation. Uh, Professor John Gachi is back with us. Uh, Prof, apologies. Uh, we lost you uh, on the line earlier. Uh, I was just talking about this, you know, reports of the delay and possibly uh, what, what could be the impact on our economy. The, the impact is uh, very clear. We were expecting the IMF deal to offer us with uh, policy improvement and uh, uh, some money to keep up the needs of the economy. We received some hundred million dollars in the account of Ghana, the second tranche by certain. Uh, the end of the, uh, the last quarter, but that didn't happen. Uh, the pressure will soon be put on the on the currency. Uh, it makes meaningless the drive down of inflation because uh, all this thing has uh, contributed to increasing the pay for interest rates. The government doesn't have uh, any cushion, therefore government resorted to borrowing in the money market thereby increasing the, the rate and uh if you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC incentivizing the financial sector to lend money to it, and thereby the financial sector uh, serving the, the economic sector for the economy, uh, specifically the private sector. So the growth momentum is not carried along uh, with whatever is happening, and that will be uh, another cost for the economy. How about the negotiations currently uh, ongoing? Government is hopeful that they'll be able to make uh, some inroads. Do you, do, you, do you see that happening anytime soon? Well, I, 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 I believe you are aware that 
since last year, government keeps talking about uh, making a good deal, but uh, we only realized after the meeting that no deal was uh, arrived at. Uh, so we can't take the word of the government to be uh, anything until we see something concrete happen, because uh, these promises of uh, deals going to come after some negotiation with the external creditors have come a number of times and did not use any food. So I believe the right thing to do now is to wait after when it comes, then it becomes reality. But whatever anybody is saying now should not be taken as a reality. Because remember, some uh, institutions also indicated that this deal may come at the end of uh, uh, February, and some also indicated at the end of uh, June. So if the June target is what to go by, then you can see uh, the trend that the economy will be going through. I was just asking this question earlier about how much time we have. And uh, do you feel that government will be able to meet this window that we have uh, in terms of limited time and also try as much as possible to affect the uh, p possible implications you are uh, talking about earlier? Any time. The money should have come earlier. Um, we need the money right now. Uh, if it doesn't come, uh, it will continue to reflect on our indicators, uh, as uh, we know, and uh, uh, that that will be precarious for the economy. And again, if you are not able to meet a condition uh, for the IMF program, it means that gradually you are failing on implementing the policy and ensuring that the, 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 the program works. And that is going to be uh, a negative side for the government. Uh, it means that government has signed onto a program, but it's not able to do things that will allow the program to, to go on. Mm. Uh, and, and Prof, uh, talking about you know the external debt restructuring, uh, now uh, there's the talk as to you know the official creditors themselves. Uh, having difficulties in accepting or perhaps arriving at the date uh, which they could deal with as the baseline for uh, restructuring. Uh, if, the, if that's the case, uh, how much of a problem is it going to be for us in, in terms of uh, having either an easy or a, a more lenient external debt restructuring if there's any description as such? Well, um, uh, it could also be one of the ways of uh, trying to say we, we don't want to accept uh, this kind of debt exchange program. That is one of the ways to do that. Then the other one is to consider the fact that uh, these bilateral creditors uh, we're talking about, they all lend money to us at different points in time. And uh, everybody wants his time uh, to be considered. But I believe the government has indicated, I think on the 6th of December, uh, that they are open to any cut-off point, uh, uh, any cut-off period, uh, which means that the government has become desperate. They they need the the, the 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 program to go on. They want the agreement to be reached. Uh, so, if the government indeed open up to say that uh, we are open to any any cut-off point at all, 
but still a deal is not being announced. Uh, it means that uh, creditors uh, have something up their sleeve, and uh, maybe very soon they will, they will release it to the amazement of Ghana. Uh, Professor John Gashi, we are grateful for your time and of course uh, we will we'll keep uh, watching the space and of course monitoring uh, negotiations uh, underway in uh, Paris. Thank you uh, for spending some time with us. Indeed, we are your election headquarters. The vetting committee of the New Patriotic uh, Party has described uh, the party's vetting process uh, of parliamentary aspirants in the constituencies uh, with sitting MPs as free and fair, despite isolated cases of uh, chaos in some uh, parts of the country. Uh, Eleven persons, as we know, have been disqualified from the New Patriotic Party's parliamentary primary set to take place uh, later this month. This grant all the aspirants have less than 10 hours to file an appeal, and Samuel Mbua is watching all of the drama unfold and is joining us in studio now. Uh, <laughs> it's not a good time to be a disqualified aspirant now. Exactly, that's it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So tell us why the party is taking this decision. Well, we know very well that going into any a contest, definitely the vetting mm -hmm. is the most, most significant most, aspect yeah. because so, you need to cross it. Yeah, that's where they have to scrutinize your document, yeah, authenticate yeah. whether you are really a member of the NPP. Mm -hmm. They will look at whether you are of good standing. Right. They will check your records, financial status, and all that. So um, all these aspirants had to go through this vigorous process across the right. country, and this um, exercise was actually conducted in 137 of the yeah, uh, constituencies that they have the sitting MPs mm. uh, going into this election. So how come that we still have some disqualified? I guess that's the question on the minds of people. Uh, is it, was it generally, uh, and you look at the three, two, six, right? Okay, so let me just run yeah, exactly the figures so that we're about seeing. 400 of mm -hmm. them picked the forms generally yeah. uh -huh. to contest the elections. Yes. So out of the and, that's what, and we need to put this in context. Mm. One hundred and thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. So, so I'll just give it a breakdown. So more than more than a hundred percent. Exactly. So four hundred of these aspirants picked the forms mm -hmm. uh, to contest the elections, mm -hmm. and then out of the four hundred, yep. three hundred and seventy-three actually returned their their nomination mm -hmm. form. So when you pick the form, you are supposed to go and file. Mm. So four hundred picked three hundred seventy-three return their forms. Yeah. And out of the 373, mm -hmm. that's where we have the summary of the breakdown after the vetting that yeah. concluded on Friday. So the disqualified aspirants are 11 of them, qualified are 326. We have uh, two cases have been referred to the Nas National Executive Committee mm -hmm. for further action. Two have actually voluntarily stepped down not to contest the elections. Unopposed are 29. Yeah. One person brought a form that was incomplete, so automatically you have been disqualified. Right. And then no appearance at all is, um, there were two of them. So that brings us to a total of 373. So these 373 mm -hmm. are now going into the uh, election. You know, the publishing of the notice of polls yeah. will be coming shortly. Mm -hmm. uh, but that will be after the vetting committee. Mm -hmm presents its report to the National Executive Committee After of the, the 10 yes. hours window that exactly. we have now. Yeah. So, so what, what exactly are they expected to do within this 10 hour period? So, so um, this 10 hour period, mm -hmm. if you are a disqualified aspirant yes. and you have some grievances, even if you're a party member who has an interest in yeah. the ongoing elections, what you need to do is to petition the appeals committee of the party, 
then they can this is supposed them. to be at the national level yes yeah, so they have it at the national level mm -hmm. that you can file your complaints yeah. for, for them to look into it so mm -hmm. if it's a blaze that is contesting why is it not competent yeah which i'm not to doing lead? by the way yes exactly maybe we just want to it's all possible exactly because right now you know this election is very critical at the time that the mpp says we want to break the eight which is historic they need to send people who can actually win those votes for them mm -hmm. and take into consideration that these are seats that are more than less safe seats for the NPP. Yeah. So you need people who are really competent to go and then represent the mm -hmm. party um, after but passing that, through We the need to point out that this is a significant number that's been passed, uh, over a 90% pass yeah. in terms of the number of uh, individuals going into the contest itself. I guess it's a signal to say the party does not want to risk division, acrimony, or perhaps any sort of complaints at the grassroots? Yes, you know, there were isolated cases. Example, Bimbila, we had uh, issues in other constituencies as well. Their concerns were that there were Machiavellian tactics to uh, remove them through rough tactics, and then that was even the defense minister's constituency. But these issues were resolved and all that. So they are treading cautiously so that they wouldn't create any acrimony mm -hmm. uh, within the party getting into the 2024 uh, mm -hmm. general election. We mm -hmm. know very well that this is actually the last leg or the last stage of the reorganization process of the NPP towards the 2024 election because they have their, um, they have their um, what do you call it, the flag that has yeah. been uh, elected. They have aspirants in, yeah, exactly. in non-traditional seat. Exactly. So uh, after the offense constituency that yeah. they actually conducted this yeah. election, so yeah. what they, they are now going to do is that they have to intensify mm -hmm. uh, their um, gains ahead of the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, waiting for... The running may to be announced by the party who is led, uh, being led by Dr. Mahmoud uh, Bahamiyanam. Uh, but talk about the party and its roadmap um, to reorganization. Um, we know that this will be happening on the 27th. Exactly. What's the mode of approach in terms of the organization of this very election? Uh, because they adopted you know, a very unique um, spot for the... Uh, primaries both for the uh, presidential slot. Yeah. They did, uh, you know, quite a unique approach for yeah. the, uh, the orphan constituencies. Exactly. Now we're dealing with places where they have seats. So uh, uh, what's what's the nothing, going to be the approach towards the organisation? They are using the decentralised uh, mode of, yeah. uh, I mean, electing them. Right. We know that in the flag bearer election, that was the same thing. Even though people had their concerns, but that's the situation that is going to happen uh, with this particular upcoming election. So the guidelines. Stand mm -hmm. all those guidelines that were used for the often constituency election, the presidential election is what they are going to um, use. If nothing actually uh, changes, that's what they are going to stand on based on the party's constitution to uh, conduct this particular exercise. Like I said, after the election of the parliamentary uh, aspirants on the 27th of January, in which we'll be giving you, uh, I mean, back to back coverage yeah, from all exactly. the constituencies. That is where they will now go into full force mm. into the main elections after a running date has been announced. All right, the then. Um, Shiva Samimbura here. Mm. Uh, and of course, he's not, just to clear the air, he's not running <laughs> for office, by the way. Thanks, yeah. Sammy, for joining us. Uh, what's next for the party? Here's Director of Research and Election for the New Patriotic Party, Evans Nimako, uh, with details of what's likely to happen. Largely, I mean, the party is happy with the conduct of this election uh, committee. Uh, either to, you may have had a lot of issues coming up, but so far, uh, I must say that the exercise has been very fruitful. We are expecting uh, the general secretary to receive the report from the committee and submit to the National Executive Committee. The National Executive Committee 
which is go with the power to review or accept the report of the vetting committee, will then give out the list of those who have been successful after the vetting. That would mean that those who are successful will go through, uh, conduct their campaign, and get the constituency delegate conference to vote on 27th. Is there any opportunity for any of the disqualified aspirants to file for appeal? Yes, so the party has put together uh, a Premier committee, which is the appeals committee, to receive uh, petitions from people who may have been uh, disqualified or not recommended to the party to be in this contest. So there's opportunity for people to access uh, this platform. And today is the last day for submission. After voting, if there if there, if there are petitions to be considered by the appeals committee, that will be done. The committee is, is expected to give its report to the general secretary for honor submission to the national executive committee by Monday. And both reports of of this committee appeals and that of the voting committee will be considered by the national executive committee. We head now to the Ashanti region where the regional chairperson of the party, uh, Bernadette Chigosiakou, has implored the party delegates to demand massive improvement uh, in uh, votes uh, for the party as a way of uh, negotiating with incumbent MPC in re-elections. According to Chairman Wontemi, the party has no intention to disqualify aspirants seeking uh, to become MPs, uh, but it takes critical uh, uh, interest in the incumbent MPs underperforming at the polls. Nana Bashi Adam now reports. The new patriotic party, proud to the January 27 parliamentary primaries, vetted and cleared over 120 aspirants. The process seeks to determine the eligibility of candidates who intend to represent the party in the 2024 general election. Speaking to the press after the process, the Ashanti Regional Chairman of the MPP, Bernard Njibwesiakon, entreated party delegates to negotiate with incumbent MPs seeking re-election for better performance. My point, and what I've always given pieces of advice is that those who, you know, had a lesser vote from 2020 elections, I mean, that is where my advice goes to that if you know that 2020 you you have votes reduced you know uh, you, you you can think about because it's mpp we want to win power it's not friendship it's not a, it's not this is my brother it's not brotherhood you know it's about getting the structure fortunately for us ndc had choose their candidates so I'm appealing to constituency executives, coordinators, and the police stations. Nobody is going to influence them. They should choose what they want. And anybody who wants to go to or who wants to win, the police station people should decide and also take a responsibility. You have to decide and take your responsibility. Chairman Wuntumi says the party has no intention to disqualify aspirants. However, it intends to win the December 7th election without favor. Me, I went to election, so I want everybody to go to election. Dr. Bawomia, who is the leader of our party, went to the election. So, 
everybody also have to go to election. So nobody is going to disqualify anybody, but we will negotiate for the time with the constituency, you can negotiate with them. But the region and national, I don't think we will do that. Is the MPP breaking the aid? Of course. I have already seen that Dr. Bamboud Bawumia is the next president of Republic of Ghana. For Joe News, Nana brought it down Kwayadom Kumasi. Meanwhile, our former chairperson of the Electoral Commission, Dr. Kujua Farijan, has cautioned the Electoral Commission against imposing changes in the electoral uh, system on political parties. Speaking at the fourth uh, Constitution Day lectures, he urged the Electoral Commission uh, to rather view the Inter-Party Advisory Committee as a convenient forum for effective ch effecting changes uh, in the electoral system with a view of achieving some level of consensus. He added that uh, the failed election petitions should also attract some sanctions. There's more in this report. Citizens drawn from the academia, government, and the general public converged at the auditorium of the University of Professional Studies, Accra, to participate in the fourth Constitution Day lecture organized by the One Ghana Movement. The lecture sought to reflect on Ghana's adoption of a constitutional rule and democracy after experiencing three coup d'etats that led to the overthrow of three of Ghana's elected leaders. Former chairman of the Electoral Commission, Dr. Kojo Aferijan, underscored the relevance of the country enjoying three decades of uninterrupted democracy under the fourth Republican dispensation, but warns key actors in Ghana's electoral system to guard against circumstances that has the potential of stampeding it. He cautioned the Electoral Commission not to impose decisions concerning electoral reforms on the political parties, but strive to reach consensus. The Electoral Commission must view the Inter-Party Advisory Committee, IPAC, as a convenient forum for discussing changes to our electoral practices. Irrespective of whether the intended change originates from the Commission or the parties. The reason is that it is not good practice to foist changes in electoral practices, in electoral practices on important stakeholders like political parties. It is prudent to discuss any intended changes thoroughly at IPAC meetings with a view to achieving consensus. If consensus is achieved, the IPAC then becomes a convenient vehicle for disseminating the changes to the electorate. Dr. Ferjan also bemoaned the dominance of the monetary inducement in the country's electoral system, adding it could have negative implications for the country's fledgling democracy. In days gone by, whatever vote buying or vote selling there was, took place in secrecy. Not so these days. What we have now looks like an open market where candidates can freely buy votes and citizens can freely sell their votes in broad daylight while we all look on seemingly unconcerned. But it is a shameful spectacle because vote buying and vote selling are unlawful 
And they undermine too important. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Some principles that underpin our democracy. Vote buying undermine the idea that we choose our leaders out of our free will. And vote selling undermines the idea that we hold our elected leaders accountable through elections. In reviewing the lecture, former Attorney General and the former President John Mahama Marietta Brew appear upon expressed unhappiness about some decisions already taken by the Electoral Commission regarding the upcoming December 7 general elections. The decision by the Electoral Commission to close the poll at 3 p.m. instead of the usual 5 p.m. and not to use indelible ink during the election. And these two decisions is already causing a ruckus and a stir all over. Changes to the electoral process are bound to happen, but these should prioritize inclusivity, protecting the right to vote, accessibility to the voting process, transparency, and fairness in counting the votes and the declarations. MP for Sikado Ketan and former Attorney General under President Kufo Jogati urged for checks and balances among the three organs of government. He argued that parties who resort to courts for redress of electoral grievances without justified causes must be made to suffer the consequences. People who don't have any basis for bringing election petitions must be punished. Three of us agreed. We all said without exception that such people must be mortared in what is called heavy and punitive costs. If you have no basis for bringing election don't bring it. I added that such a person is a threat to democracy. It's undermining democracy. I understand that they do it to keep their food soldiers happy. I understand that they do it so that they continue getting finance. Such a person should be back for taking part in elections for a period. They are not fit to be a public officer. If there's a case in court which is not frivolous, no, why? You should go to court. But if you know that you have no basis and you decide to go to court, then the court should punish you. Well, it's a good time now to hear from Dr. Konyas Asante, who's uh, joining us via Zoom now. Uh, Doc, uh, such a great time to be talking to you. Happy New Year uh, again. And uh, let's start off with this whole uh, proposition coming through from uh, Dr. Farijan. He talks about judicialization. That, that's the word I recall he used uh, yesterday uh, when addressing this uh, phenomenon where we're seeing constantly almost all election outcomes being challenged. But should there be really a problem with it, knowing that this is part of democracy? You could go to court if you want. 
I don't understand that because I believe that if people uh, use the path of the court to address the grievances that relate to election, uh, it should be a better option than people resorting to, uh, you know, illegal means of addressing uh, the, their concerns about election. So I disagree with uh, Dr. Frejan. I believe that people should go to court where they feel strongly that uh, they have been shortchanged or they feel that something went untoward relative to the electoral process. And just, to be uh, clear, is, and just to be clear, are you making these points mindful of the fact that indeed, uh, and I'm just saying, I stand to be corrected, some political parties intentionally head to the court j- just to keep their fan base and, and to keep the enterprise running? Yeah, but if that is the case, the court has a way of dealing with those who go there with frivolous cases and all that. So why don't we reserve that one to the court to determine? The court, uh, over the years, uh, if cases are unmeritorious, they are frivolous, the court have a way of what? Dismissing them and punishing people for it. That should be the duty of the court. But discouraging people who feel that something wrong has been done to go to court is amount to gagging people from exercising their franchise and all that. Their rights, which is enshrined in the Constitution, the right to what? Seek protection under the law. Let the court be the forum to determine that they don't have a case for which reason they have you know, wasted the court time and the whole uh, country at large, and then the court will be in a better position to punish them. But for the political actors to suggest that people who go to court should be punished, should be banned from this, I believe that is uh, above the top. Uh, I don't support. Well, um, when the election year, a number of reforms happening ahead of the uh, exercise, and uh, the former EC boss appears to be touching on some of them. A concern, first of all, about the announcement made by the Electoral Commission late last year that the indelible ink will no longer be a part of our election process. Recipe for chaos, disaster? I don't want to understand that. Um, I don't know the, the, the basis for that decision. But I, I believe that a matter of this nature, all right, needs to be discussed at IPAC and discussed thoroughly so that the stakeholders will be alive to all the nuances associated with such a decision. But uh, to come from EC, because the EC has the power uh, to detect these things, uh, can be problematic because you and I know how identification or verification of candidates are problematic in this country. And uh, one anytime we go for elections. So I believe that the issue uh, should tread cautiously uh, uh, with regard to this issue and then have all the stakeholders discuss this thing at length because we don't want a situation where on the D-Day we find it difficult to verify some people, mm. people come and then at the end of the day we have what double voting and the rest of them. Uh, we can take chances. We can take chances. And the issue, I'm sure they are not oblivious of this fact. They want to do the deed for so as to prevent... Okay, but speaking, but, but speaking comparatively, is Ghana the only country perhaps using the indelible ink approach or uh, there are some examples elsewhere? Uh, because that, that, that appears to also be a question at, at the center of this, that in established democracies, the indelible ink is not used. Yeah, but you see, you want to... What are rules? Rules are meant to regulate the conduct of people. And at the end of the day, uh, rules are supposed to make sure that 
um, we get to our final destination without problems. Uh, if we talk about the fact that, yes, you can go to other jurisdictions where people don't use synthetic ink and the rest of them, I'm afraid, then you must as well say that you don't even need electoral commission and the rest of them. There are certain jurisdictions that there is no electoral, you know, management body that conducts elections. And the NA card, which is of national character, is used to run these things. But they have a certain system that coordinates all this. We are not out uh, up there yet. But what I am proposing is that what has worked for us, why they need to change it. For what? For what? They should convince us beyond reasonable that, that the use of indelible ink has created a problem or more problems than what the benefit that uh, we are deriving from it over the years. Then they, they'll be in a better position to convince me. But if there is nothing like that and you say you want to change it, change it for what? Is it for changing sake? You know that in our part of the world, you know, verification is a problem. So things of this nature which has worked for us over the years, I don't see the need to be in a hurry to change it. Let us maintain it. Let's work for it. If there are problems, with it, discuss it. And then all of us will part and part of the discussion and we'll find solution to it. But when you bring it uh, out of the blue and then you want to, as it were, to surprise us with that, uh, I'm not sure uh, that will go for uh, any meaningful uh, democratic process. Uh, and Doc, are you completely ruling out the possibility of having national um, you know, or general elections without the indelible ink? Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's a problem. Then we need to fix it. Uh, but whatever it is, I mean, you can see that without it, you are not going to have elections. That is too far-fetched. But what I'm saying that this can create a problem mm. and that it requires, it is incumbent upon the EC to involve all the stakeholders, look at all the arguments in support and against it. And at the end of the day, we'll find a common ground that will see it all. But I don't want to see a situation where the EC is in a hurry to introduce something that has worked over time without problems. Why that? Uh, Dr. Farijan has also been touching on uh, security arrangement. That's uh, also another uh, key piece of, um, you know, setup that we need to be on the lookout for going into the um, 2024 elections. Of course, on the eve of uh, the new year, the president, the, the vice president, uh, we had John Mahama as well, other religious leaders, all calling for peace and raising concerns about, um, you know, the need to have uh, well-coordinated, um, you know, uh, security arrangements for the general elections. Now we have uh, Dr. Farijan raising the, the concern about the national security architecture, the fact that they get involved in our elections. Should we be changing that? No, what I want is that we want a security arrangement where the political parties, the actors involved. Uh, we have seen that in other jurisdictions where uh, every fortnight they meet, discuss uh, issues relating to the election and whatever problems they try to what, find solutions. I think that should be the formula for us. Mm. And then so as to prevent anything untoward to happen. We need the security to be strong and all that. Uh, look at the last election where people were gunned down and all that. If you had well-planned security arrangement for the election. Remember, Easy has always told you that it is not its duty uh, to provide electoral security and all that. But they are also 
they must be mindful of the fact that without security, what they have as part of their mandate by the constitution, they cannot execute it. So it is incumbent upon the EC to show interest in the security arrangement mm -hmm. and all the state stakeholders so that we can address this problem that the shooting that takes place at, uh, you know, electoral grounds and all that, they are things of the path. Nobody is going to countenance that for a meaningful democracy. You don't use gun or the barrel of the gun to, you know, intimidate or harass anybody. People go there out of their own volition, express themselves the way they, they want to. And then that is the spirit behind democracy. I see. And any final comments on, you know, expectations uh, ahead of uh, the IPAC meeting that will now have, of course, the National Democratic Congress return? At least the party has indicated to us that that's what will happen. Uh, they will return to the, you know, uh, uh, committee, and they are hoping that this time around the Electoral Commission will, will, will hear out all major political uh, stakeholders going into the elections. Your expectations? Oh, yes. I expect them to be able to uh, quickly uh, warm themselves into the group and then uh, work as expected of them. And in this regard, I expect also a warm reception uh, from the group, particularly easy so that uh, all the, the the previous problems will push them away and then uh, they use dialogue to address mm -hmm. all this problem this body is a very useful one it is not for fun that the state created it so i expect that all those who are part and parcel of that body will coordinate their effort and make sure that the state will benefit from all this important body uh, issue where unnecessary, you know, you know, attacks and unnecessary things that will draw back the effort of the the, the, the body. Uh, they should be able to uh, kick that one out and then work and work uh, for the interests of the state. And I expect more from the electoral commission uh, in terms of what uh, the reception of um, NDC back into the body. And then, of course, other political parties, which are also or actors, which are also in there to accept them, and then they work and work well. But of course, if people are dissatisfied with anything, I'm not sure they should call anybody into submission. They should voice it out so that we find a lasting solution to that. This body is too important for us to work and show it under the carpet or jettison it. Dr. Kwame Asasanti is a political scientist at the University of Ghana. Grateful, Doc, for spending some time with us. Wish you the best for the day. And we are indeed your election headquarters. Thanks for staying with us here on the Join News channel. Uh, this is The Pulse. When we get back, we'll talk about the National Commission for Civic Education, uh, which has a message to the youth on election 2024. You want to stay there? That's true.
It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S. That is so true, my daughter. But it's further into spoiler. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Oh my life, you have been faithful. First Sky Group, a wholly owned Ghanaian company made up of First Sky Construction, First Sky Bitumen Processing, First Sky Commodities, Volta Serene Hotel, Serene Insurance, First Sky Energies, and Feral Rural Bank. Warmly invite you to its 21st Thanksgiving service on the theme, The Faithfulness of the Lord Never Ceases, Lamentations Chapter 3, Verse 22 to 23. The Thanksgiving service in two parts will be hosted by the founder and executive chairman, Mr. Eric Sedi Kutocha. Friday, January 12, 2024, all night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. at the Trinity Temple Assemblies of God Church, TTAG Community Center, Ministry in Word. Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Sierra Leone, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Sunday, January 14, 2024, Thanksgiving service at the main auditorium of the Accra International Conference Center at 10 a.m. Guest Speaker, Most Reverend Dr. Paul Kwabena Boafo, Presiding Bishop, the Methodist Church, Ghana. Special guest of honor, the Chief Justice, Her Ladyship, Mrs. Gertrude Araba Esaba Saki Tokomi. Ministering in music will be Team Eternity and others. Also in attendance will be His Eminence, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, Reverend Dr. Stephen Yanusam Wengam, General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Professor Paul Frimpon Mansu, Immediate Past General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Dr. Silvanos Amagashichi Elon, Head Pastor, Trinity. Temple, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Syria Liu, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Apostle Professor Kojo Ninfo Opoku Onina, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Tete, Reverend Eastwood Anaba, Reverend Dr. Joyce Ai, Reverend Eddie Annan, Assemblies of God UK and other senior clergy. For more details, contact 020-854-3441 or 050-148-2580. It's the First Sky Group 21st Thanksgiving service. Don't miss it. Back in the day, I was Ghana man, but something was missing until I found the one. HD Plus is not your regular free-to-air decoder. For a small fee, you get to experience great services and exciting world of content. Dial star 879 hash on your mobile phone and subscribe for as low as 290 CDs. This one is different. The images are five times clearer in HD picture quality. And I'm loving the feely-feely experience. Ah, HD Plus, I love you. But I'm still here. <laughs> HD Plus, for better, for less.
That's right. Get your HD Plus decoder from any Electroland outlet or our dealer shops. National Commission for Civic Education, NCC, is calling on the youth to reject the advances of any politician uh, that tries to engage them in violent acts and disruption uh, that will mark the 2024 general elections. Uh, Chairperson of the Commission, Kathleen Adio, has been addressing a news conference as part of activities to mark the Constitution Day, uh, which fell uh, yesterday, says... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Citizens have a role to play in ensuring that there's uh, no bloodshed come December 7. She joins us uh, in, uh, with uh, more on this. And thank you so much for spending some time with us here on The Pulse. Uh, Happy New Year as well. But let's start off uh, with uh, the message you have for the youth of this country. Uh, a number of issues you raised there at the press conference. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the core of this is we need peace before, during and after the 2024 elections. Do, do you feel your message, first of all, has gone down well with the youth of this country? Well, thank you very much um, for this opportunity. Well, it is, it is our hope that the message has gone down well, because it's not for nothing that we set up um, the press conference, and everything that we said there was well put through, was based on information that has been gathered, was based on experience that we've had as a country over the years. And as a country, we feel that, it, you know, we need to grow in our, in our democratic lives. We can every election year be in crisis mode and all of that. After, after some point, we should have matured in the democracy to a point where we won't even need, we will take it for granted that everything will go well. On the issue of violence, of course, it is not worth any Ghanaian citizens, even one drop of blood, to elect somebody into office. So yesterday, we retraced the fact that um, your blood is too precious, your lips are too precious, your life is way too precious to our country to sacrifice any of it just to have somebody elected into office. Uh, and, have to be uh, and the framework giving us that power, at least to decide uh, come December 7, is the Constitution. Uh, that Constitution for many has outlived its purpose, needs reform. I don't know where you stand on that. I think that that is an overflow issue. But, I mean, a 30-year-old constitution is certainly, I mean, the idea that a 30-year-old constitution it requires reform is not new, it's not strange. I feel like we've talked enough about it and we should go on with it. So there's enough more information gathered all the way from 2010 up until today. Last year, there were several um, events, there were several engagements around this. We ourselves with several engagements around getting this thing started. So 
for me, whether we should have a constitutional reform or not is not even a key reason why we had that um, press conference yesterday. We want people to understand that in order for the democracy to grow, we all have a role to play in it. And as citizens, this election year, there's some things that we must resist. One of them being that um, we should not allow politicians to entice us with other money or promises or anything so that we go and lose our lives for them. Somebody comes to you and says that take up a gun, here is a knife, go and fight. Tell them that they are nation records. Um, the other thing we spoke about was the issue of too much money in politics. The, the, the vote buying situation has gotten out of hand. We're epidemic proportions now. It's brazen. Political parties are brazenly handing money over citizens. But more important, citizens are bravely demanding money for their votes. Certainly, as a citizen of Ghana, your vote is much more precious than any amount of money that any politician. If you if you if you if you if you collect money, um, somehow you should know that that's your route that you've collected into your pocket. That that, that, that is your hospital that you still that you've taken into your pocket. But there's no free money anywhere in this world, you know. So I feel that like it's important that we talk about this money in politics. It is a counter. It is undermining and destroying our democracy and. The demand side is as equally guilty as the supply side, and we must all take some responsibility for it. We must change the narrative, change the way we do the politics, have a better understanding of the democracy. The money in politics will not help us. The third thing we talked about was use of fake news, um, media platforms, allowing all kinds of things to go on the platforms, um, politicians who use you know, hate speech, all of these things. We, we have to be conscious of it. At all times, as a nation, we must be conscious of these things, especially in an election year. It's so important that we are we, we remain extremely vigilant and extremely conscious, so that these things don't come to mind the elections. Because this year of all years, we are more vulnerable than most years as a result of external threats we face because of everything that has happened in the sub region. If we show weakness, we will be taken advantage of, you know. And this thing where people with money can just um, take over, come and claim all kinds of things. We have to be careful the way we treat money in our society, because otherwise we will sell ourselves without even realizing. Um, and, and on monetization of uh, but politics, uh, is it always about the demand? How about laws to check that? Uh, the political parties uh, have not uh, you know, had it easy complying with the uh, auditing requirements by law. The EC either has also uh, you know, deferred or defected on, on the implementation of the law. There seems to be a big gap here. How do we feel that? Well, first of all, I think that um, if, we, if we take our time and look at the the regulations, well, you will realize that even giving out meat, I think it says something about meat and food or something, you, you go against the law. Receiving it also goes against the law. So once we start having discussion, we must talk about the enforcement of existing law and then also refining it and, and setting up the regulations in such a way that it will become prohibitive for people to actually dole out money and equally unattractive for people to receive money. So the laws must work. Um, those in charge of regulations must see that they are doing their job. Those in charge of enforcement must do their job. We are in charge of public education and it is our job to ensure that people have awareness about these things. Yeah, and, and, speak, of, uh, and speak of that, uh, of course, the NCCE has been identified as a crucial stakeholder. 
uh, in these elections because you then do as you're uh, indicating the education do you have a, a line of a lineup of activities that that are targeted primarily at these uh, concerns that you're raising oh certainly certainly we have a very 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 packed program for the year and um, yesterday's event was just the first of, of the programs we have programs at the regional level district level we have community-based programs we have youth focused programs we have our inter-party dialogue committees activated. We are really ready to go and we hit the ground running. And I'm sure that you will see the work that we will commence. But for us, that work we started last year, the last quarter of last year, we we're already talking about um, you know, preparation for elections. That was towards the, the um, local elections that happened in December last year. So we already started the work. We just built the momentum and do more specialized programs, get people to be, have the needed awareness to be able to put in, you know, uh, uh, make informed decisions that don't, uh, that serve our purpose, you know, making informed decisions and electing people who actually deliver to us what we, 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 we need as a country, who de deliver the development, who deliver the infrastructure, who continue to build on everything that has been achieved over the years. That's what we're looking for. We should not be looking at people who have money to dish out. That is a dangerous path to tread on to, to tread on as a people, and I hope that we don't go. We have to start rejecting those who give us money. Honestly, we must. Once we do that, we'll stop. And for the politicians, I can assure you, even they are not happy with, with, with this whole monetization thing because I don't know who. I mean, yesterday we mentioned that is the, uh, the research by CDD found that. You need well over half a million dollars as, as to, to run for office as an MP in this country. How do people get that kind of money? There's no free money in the world. If somebody comes up with that kind of money, and the main purpose of that money is to just to do us and dish out to citizens, then you must know that at the end of the day, that bond debt has to be paid. We all know these things. You know? So we have to get to a point where we consciously reject you know, the notion that you have to give me money before I vote. Or the notion that the notion that I have to give you money, so you have to vote for me. We must do away with that with that, that way of thinking. Mm. Uh, any message you'd like to leave our viewers with uh, as a, as a way of uh, what to expect and how they can also help the NCC because you can't do all this alone. Absolutely. Yesterday I mentioned that civic education is a shared responsibility. As NCC, we have the constitutional mandate to take the lead in um, getting public education going. A civic education going, not even just about elections. For me, everything we do around elections is grounded in a, 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 a civic culture, a positive civic culture that that pushes us to grow, uh, deepen the democracy and grow our 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 our, our country. So, if it's if it's um, education around voting, for instance, we know that it's not just about voting; it's about having uh, civic civic minded enough to. Know that voting is your civic responsibility, that you have a say in who gets elected as a leader, so that you can have a say in holding your leader accountable. So, all of the work that we do, violence, violence in elections, we have to understand that in order for societies to go, there has to be cohesion, um, there has to be a rule of law, one cannot take the law into their own hands. These are principles, these are democratic principles that exist in. In whether we have an elections or not, we have elections or not. But 
But what we're doing now is to re-emphasize those things and help people to understand that it's not just a one-off. It's how we build a civic culture, how we get people to understand their responsibility in growing and deepening the democracy and growing and uh, 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 developing our country. So there's a lot coming up that we'll be doing at NCT. And we will depend on our partners, of course, like Joy FM, other media houses. We're working very closely with the um, uh, faith-based institutions, with partners like um, the Peace Council. We are working together very hard to ensure that this, uh, this election is executed flawlessly on our side without any confusion, certainly without any debt or bloodshed. It's not working. Uh, Kathleen Abi, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, she's the chairperson of the National Council for Civic Education. Grateful. And now, health authorities in the Bono East Enclave are expressing concerns about the increasing number of new HIV infections across uh, the region's urban areas. Regional Director of Health Services, Dr. Fred uh, Domokopating, indicated that the region's urban population recorded an average of 4.8. Uh, HIV prevalence rate, uh, a figure which is above the national average of 7.8. He however urged uh, the general public to adhere to the various preventive measures as well as, uh, known, as, well as to know their status uh, as the region works towards uh, reducing its HIV prevalence rate. Anna Sabit has more. Human immunodeficiency virus is a serious public health problem and a major cause of death in many parts of Africa, including Ghana, which has one of the highest rates of HIV in the West African sub-region. The Ghana AIDS Commission recently disclosed that out of a total of 16,574 new HIV infections recorded in the year 2022, Females accounted for two-thirds of the total figure, and the Bron Ahafo enclave continued to be one of the regions with highest rate of HIV prevalence. Health authorities in the region are, however, concerned about the rise in the number of new infections in the region's urban areas, which is doing an average of more than 4.5 compared to the national average of 2.8. Dr. Fred Adamakubwaten is the regional director of health services. When we talk about HIV, uh, I know we know the figures going around, latest figures released by the commission. So, for example, we can talk about the rural urban divide, which is very important. So, if you look across the country and you look at the mean or the prevalence of uh, people with HIV, in, in terms of the rural population, we are doing very However, when you come to the urban, it's not the same. So if you are looking at an average of urban across the country of 2.6, 2.8, Bune is we are first and third. And this first and third is not something that we, we, we have to address. So you have Nkranza hovering around five and then more than five, and you have the Chiman hovering more than 4.8. The situation, according to Dr. Fred Admarko Watten, is being fueled by the commercial nature of the Chiman and Nkranza, which are both located at the heart of the country. These are been uh, challenges from, and we know the reason. You have a lot of trunk routes coming to Techiman. You have almost everybody passing, our brothers almost across coming to Techiman. It's a very powerful commercial area where you have all, all activities going on. Dr. Fred Adamakubwaten is, however, urging the general public to work towards knowing their statuses as well as adhere to the use of condom as the region works towards addressing HIV-AIDS prevalence rate. The moment you get into that state and you are testing, 
then you start using this cliche that a test doesn't know any dirty water. Please, when it comes to HIV, there are some dirty waters that you have. You don't have to uh, venture. And so the, the try and test the methods that also also use that. Look, if you don't know, it's not a stable partner. This try and tested method should also be no, be used. Condoms. You have to make sure that you use condom. And then more importantly, make sure that we know our status. That is what we are going to look at going 2024. And our target and our aim is that everybody should be able to know your status. Everybody should know your is a campaign that we are going to go massively on that when it comes to HIV. Reporting for Joy News, Anas Sabit, Tichiman. And now a partially completed thousand seater capacity sports and recreational facility has been commissioned in Nyogo in the east, the Mamprosi municipality of the northeast region. The new facility is made up of an astroturf, uh, changing rooms, a VIP stand, and also offices for administrative staff and managers of the facility. Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Yahoo commissioned the sports complex says it will help uh, the development of sports in particular. Uh, football within the area. Correspondent Elias Tanko was there. Initial postponement following confusion at home over the Boko chieftaincy dispute, a Vice President Dr. Mahabudu Baumia returned over the weekends to Nalirugu, the Northeast Regional Capital, to commission a new astroturf for sporting and recreational activities in the East Mamprosi municipality. According to Joy News sources, the initial arrangement to commission the facility on the 28th of December was abrogated after an arrangement could not be reached between the office of the vice president and the executives of the Mamprosi Youth Association over the presence of the Nairis and Stol Bokunaba at the event grounds. Dr. Baumia was accompanied by the Minister for Youth and Sports, the national chairman of the ruling party, and several other dignitaries of the party. It was the third of such facilities to be commissioned into operation in the region since the coming into power of the government. The facility comes with a standard football pitch that can be utilized for even national matches, flashlight for nine-time activities, 1,000 capacity spectator stands, changing rooms finished with water and sanitation facilities, offices for managers of the facility, and a public washroom. The facility was constructed after the youth of Nalirgu mounted a protests against the vice president and the regional minister after the construction of a second astroturf in Waliwali. Commissioning the project, the vice president, after inspecting the auxiliary facilities, said the new infrastructure would help in the development of sports in the region. I'm very happy with the work. Um, the facilities are first class, and I just hope that we maintain them as such as we go forward. But I'm ha- a happy man today, and I'm very impressed with the work that has been done. I think that it will be a facility that will help sports in and particularly football uh, in 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 Alerugu, Gambaga and, and its environment. The facility has been named after Nasheriga, a late overlord of Mamprugu. The Minister of Youth and Sports Mustafa Yusuf also said the facility will facilitate the development of grassroots sports whilst playing at the achievement of this government in the development of sports nationwide. Under his excellence in the law, the doctor, when it comes to sports infrastructure, there's no any government since independence that can match his record in terms of sports infrastructure and sports development. So having done all these sports facilities. Now, the focus is now uh, grassroots sports development. We are now going to have district level sports competitions. We move to the regional level, to the national level, so that we can develop talent at the grassroots.
the minister further announced his pledge to support the fast-growing local football clubs in the region. He, however, called on the local managers of the facility to strictly adhere to the dictates contained in the maintenance manual to ensure the facility is always fit for purpose. There is going to be a committee set up, and the committee, the chief, and the Nairi will have a rep on the committee. You have also the assembly having a rep. The regional minister will have a rep. The community, the youth, will also have a rep on the committee. And this committee will ensure that they follow the guidelines on the maintenance manual so that we can use to maintain this facility. We can't put huge investment like this. Then at the end of the day, we don't maintain it well, and we have to look for money to come and renovate it again. According to the details of the contract, a wall will be constructed to protect the facilities. As only the football pitch is fenced with wire mesh. This is the first phase of the project, and going forward, the second phase will look at getting a fence wall so that we can, there can be security. The contractor, Robert Tetekoman, also could not tell the exact amount of money spent so far on the project, saying he will be able to provide the financial details after the end of the year to begin second phase. Elias Sutanko from Nalirgo for Joy News. <laughs> Well, let's stay up north uh, because Chef Faila, the Ghanaian cook, seeking to break the Guinness World Record uh, cookathon, has crossed 200 hours of cooking. Faila, who is currently stationed at Tamale, the capital city of uh, the northern region, has been cooking for the last nine days. She is expected to end her attempt at breaking the current record tomorrow, which will be the 10th of January. Uh, to 2024, Faila is currently surrounded. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for Five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCIUS LLC. By scores of supporters, uh, which you can see on the screens now, uh, but you have, uh, of course, uh, all these people cheering her on, and Joy Prime's uh, Luisa Deem is uh, joining us uh, with more of the excitement going on. Yes, she looks a bit tired now, uh, but how is uh, Chef Faila coping now, Lois? That's what I want, want to understand, that this woman's demeanor, uh, behavior in the kitchen, has uh, remained the, the same. It's been consistent since day one. So the way she's looking now to didn't shock anybody, because this is how it has been since the first day. She's been okay, she's been standing on her feet, cooking. And even though, like, within the hours of 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., we see her show a little sign of tired and fatigue. It's pretty normal. But by... 8 a.m. She's back to normal. She's in the kitchen. She's you know cooking things and making things happen in the and uh, she's okay. She's fine. We've spoken to her medical team. He said that she's very strong. Nothing has changed. She's uh, her vitals are good. Everything is okay. Um, if there's any challenge, it's just that she's lost weight. 
very normal because um, between the nine days she's been eating, but it's not as um, heavy as normally would. So she's not eating fufu and banku like the rest of us. I mean, she's made fufu and banku for us, but she hasn't tasted it herself. So uh, she's just lost it, but uh, physically she is very fit, she's strong. And if we do that, she might cook till the set of March and we might beg her out of the kitchen. I see. Uh, interesting scenes we're seeing also on the screens now, but grateful to jo uh, Lois uh, Deremi joining us uh, from where all of this action is happening. Uh, 208 hours, 14 minutes and 38 seconds now going to 39 and then the story goes on uh, till, of course, uh, she wraps up tomorrow uh, and will be, of course, stationed there. Joy uh, time uh, is there for you. And uh, all of this is happening because of Silicon House and Kinet, as you, you can see there. Uh, let's have a feel of what's happening there. <laughs> 
of course, uh, we wish her the very best. But it's been a year of setting records, isn't it? Because uh, Ghanaian makeup artist uh, Della uh, Gume, who embarked on a, his uh, Guinness World Record for the most lipstick applications in 30 seconds over the weekend. He applied lipstick to eight models in 30 seconds, doubling the current record. Uh, of uh, four applications set by Chinese makeup artist in 2018. Now we know that uh, Mr. Gome initially uh, set a goal of seven models but added one more uh, during that attempt, exhibiting agility and poise under pressure. My colleague uh, Jacqueline Zabayaboa has the rest of the story. Ghanaian beauty guru Della Gome has not only shouted by redefining the limits of glamour by attempting the Guinness World Record for the most lipstick applications in just 30 seconds. This owl inspiring feat surpassed the former record held by Li Jiaqi of China, who managed four lipstick applications in the same time frame back in 2018. In an exclusive interview with Joy News, Delagome shares the inspiration behind his audacious pursuit of the lipstick record-breaking triumph. Okay, so as you said, there are lots of record-breaking uh, attempts, but I chose uh, to apply lipstick on ladies within 30 seconds to exhibit my skills, to put my brand on board, and to also put the whole Ghana on the map. It evolves a lot. To break a record, it's not an easy task at all. So first, you need to be determined. You need to know your speciality, what you are very special at doing, your uniqueness. So that alone would guide you to the record you want to break. The day I was applying, I thought it was just a joke. It was just something for fun. But initially, when I sent the first uh, application, it came. they sent me an email telling me they've received their uh, application. I was like, really? So this is serious. The less unwavering dedication received a resounding endorsement from his father on this thrilling quest. So when he came to me that, that this is what I want to do, I said, wow, do you think you can do it? So I started quizzing him about the uh, previous holder because he's the current holder. So I was yeah. the previous holder yeah. and he yeah. gave me some details and I went to Google on it and I said, wow, four models, 30 seconds, I've seen him doing a lot of things, and I knew that from that day, if he really persevered, if he focused on his target, he would do it. So I was not surprised at all that he did it last Saturday. The fever of Guinness World Record attempt is sweeping through Ghana, and the question lingers, which record-breaking endeavor can you embark on? For Join News, I am Jacqueline Asma Yoboa. Okay, if you ask me to answer that question, maybe a news at all. You never know what will happen next. But that's all uh, we have for you in this package of the polls. I'm Blessed Sogan. For more news, log on to myjoraline.com. And, of course, we're keeping tabs on uh, the Cougaton, which is wrapping up in the next 24 hours. Uh, you want to stay with us here on the Join News channel, we'll update you. Uh, until then, we'll see you again next. is Let's Talk Showbiz. It's been a pleasure having you uh, news content here. We'll see you uh, tomorrow, but uh, we'll take a break.